Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So I told Leah, as long as she was still alive, as long as I had breath in my body, we was gonna continue to fight. This is On The Fence with Monica Oxsonet. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to announce that we are donating 100% of the earnings of this episode to Penn State's THON, which is the largest student-run philanthropy for pediatric cancer. So please share, listen to the episode, please tell as many people as you can, and let's earn that money and help them raise as much as they can. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of On the Fence. Today we have a very special guest, a former Penn Stater, just like me. Devon Still is a former American football defensive end. He was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in the second round of the 2012 NFL draft. He played college football at Penn State. We are where he earned consensus, all American honors. He was also a member of the Houston Texans and New York Jets. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. I mean, always a Penn Stater. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You bleed that blue and white. Always and forever. Yep. So obviously we met, we know each other from attending Penn State in the same time frame. Yep. We both graduated in 2012, which mm-hmm. seems like literally forever ago. Yeah, it does. <laughs> at this point in time. <laughs> right. So how was the whole NFL thing? Obviously, I know nothing about that. And I would love to hear more. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I was playing football since I was 13 years old. So I started to have dreams of making it to the NFL when I got into high school probably around my end of my sophomore year, junior year, because I was just focused on basketball. But I grew so big so fast that I knew that I I was growing as a football player, not as a basketball player. So I decided to really dedicate my sports life to learning the game of football and becoming the best that I could. So when I went to Penn State, like many college athletes, my aspirations was to make it to the NFL. And what's interesting is at Penn State, I had to overcome a lot of things. My freshman year, I tore my ACL, MCL. So I was done for my first year. I fought back for about a year in rehab to make it back out onto the football field. And that second training camp, I ended up breaking my leg. So this was two years where I was out of playing football. And wow. for anybody who's played sports, taking two years off, it's it hurts your game yeah. because you're not able to go out there and practice. So I started to question myself a lot of whether I had what it took to actually play hot at a high level, at the collegiate level, and make it to the NFL because everybody around me was telling me that people didn't normally make it back from these type of injuries. But I just believed in myself and I told myself that when I got a chance to get back on the football field, I was going to do everything I could to play at my best and make it to the NFL. And during my senior year, I ended up becoming a consensus All-American, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And then I got drafted 53rd overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. And when I finally reached my dream, I was like, all right, great. I got all the adversity behind me. I dealt with all the injuries in college. Now it's time to really focus on football. But that didn't quite happen because my second year in the NFL, I I battled a lot of injuries. I dislocated my elbow against the Lions. Two weeks after that, I blew out my, I mean, no, five weeks after that, I blew out my back against the Steelers. And then a week after that, I almost died from blood clots in my lungs from the back surgery. And then, of course, that's when Leah got diagnosed with cancer a couple of months later. So to wrap it all up, I feel like I never really got to enjoy being in the NFL. I didn't get to enjoy living out my childhood dream because I had to battle a lot of injuries and I also had to deal with my daughter battling cancer. Right. I mean, that's crazy. You, you know, 
know, you he always athletes always have adversity and all these di- different situations they go through, but you had them one after another. And the yeah. fact that you overcame them and became who you were right. is amazing because a lot of people like lose it. Obviously, like this was your dream and all these things kept happening from you being able to experience it. So yeah. props on making it through all that and being so successful. Thank you. So obviously, so Leah was born while you were at Penn State. Yeah, she was born going into my junior year during gotcha. the summertime. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So how was your experience raising a daughter while being at Penn State? It was tough. I didn't know, I didn't know sure. what I was getting myself into. You know, you go to college and you think you've grown and do grown up things. And I thought I was ready for that parenthood phase, but I had a rude awakening. Learning how to balance school, football, and being a parent, it was tough, but I didn't have a choice. Like there were times where, you know, I would have to take her to the meeting that we had in the football building and we'll be watching film and she'll be sitting in her like little car seat carrier next to me and we'll be in the middle of watching film and then all of a sudden you'll just start hearing a baby crying and it was just like it was crazy it was crazy but i was able to keep myself disciplined learn a lot about organization and prioritizing we were able to make it through that's amazing i i love that you also came through that and were be were able to be a good parent so there's i mean there's people that are you know in the real world not i mean being a student athlete is i feel like if you're not a student athlete people don't understand how difficult that is but like being an athlete going to classes and then having a kid on top of that that's a lot and the fact that you were able to be there and be a great dad as a as a child of divorced parents of a dad who didn't really care a lot of respect for you thank you yeah for sure and then so going on to leah's story she was four years old when she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma and given Mm. what a 50 percent chance of survival so how did you guys know that something was wrong to get her tested well that morning all right so that off season like i said this is my second year in the nfl going into my third that off season i had put leah into dance class and gymnastics class because i just wanted her to you know see what she was interested in at a young Mm -hmm. age so that we can just hold on to that and focus on it so i put her into those the dance class and gymnastics class and then i had to go back to cincinnati for off-season training and i remember when i was a kid that i'm also a child of a divorce a, a broken home my parents broke up when i was in third grade but i remember as a child every time i had a sporting event or anytime i had something important i can always look out into the crowd and see my parents sitting next to each other cheering me on and i felt like that was more motivation for me to make it to the nfl or go take it as far as i could because i wanted to see my parents together so as when i became a parent i realized the impact that that had on me so i wanted to make sure i was that kind of parent for my children so leah had a, a dance recital coming up on june 2nd so i asked my head coach if i could fly back home so that i can be in the crowd and she can look out in the crowd and see both of her parents there cheering her on so that morning she had went out to breakfast with her grandmother and i also was dropping my then girlfriend my now wife off at work and when i was headed back to her house i had got a phone call from leah's grandmother who told me that she was very lethargic she wasn't eating her food and she was running a fever and i had asked them where they were at and they told me they were at ihop which just happened to be right across the street from where i was at a red light at and her grandmom had asked me uh to set up an appointment to find out what was going on and i was thinking you know i'll take her to her pediatrician they'll give her some medicine and she'll feel better because i I wanted her to go to this dance recital because i knew how hard she worked for it but something in me told me to just make the u-turn at the red light and go see what was going on since i was already in the area and when i walked in her head was just laying down on the table she wasn't eating and she was lethargic like her grandmother said if anybody knows leah she has a lot of personality like she's outspoken so seeing her like that it was different so i decided to take her to an emergency care room that was right across the street you know one of those you know how they have those quick emergency rooms that's mm-hmm. not like yeah. the regular one so we took 
took her there. They ran a couple of tests on her. They didn't think anything was too uh, wrong, too serious. And I started to tell her, them how she will often complain about hip pain. And I thought it came from just being in gymnastics and falling off the balance beam. So the doctor, they went and touched her hip and she jumped away from the doctor. And they told us that she, they thought that she had a hip infection, which sometimes happens to kids who are growing too fast. And since I'm not the smallest guy in the room, I felt like she was just growing tall for her age because of me. So they sent us to a children's hospital, which was about three minutes down the street. And they told them what was going on. So they ran a couple of tests, blood tests on her. And they came into the room and told us that it can be, you know, 10 different things. And the last thing they told us was cancer. And I didn't really take that too serious because I was like, if it was that great of a chance of it being cancer, you would have put it higher up on the list. Right. So they went and did an ultrasound of the area where she had jumped from and they ended up seeing a mass inside of her stomach and they ran more tests and they found out that it was a tumor and she had cancer. So you found that all out on the same day? Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. What a roller coaster that must have been. Yeah. yeah. It's something that you don't ever forget when your life changes like that. It's like, it just happened yesterday. Right. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, my only relation to, to cancer is, I guess it's grown more this year. So my mom had breast cancer when I was 15. And I, to this day, remember exactly, I don't remember her telling me it might be cancer. I just remember the day that she got a phone call from her doctor. And I knew there was something like could be wrong. Obviously, I was 15. You don't wrap your mind around these things. But I remember she got the phone call. And I remember, I'm going to tear up because it like literally comes back. And she like, you see her face drop. And like, she like fell into my arms. Like I said, I'm a mm. 15 year old child holding my grown ass mother right. she had stage two breast cancer so i mean i lived through that like the chemo and all that stuff which obviously is completely different than watching your kid and then my grandmother was diagnosed i don't remember what stage in january and she finished chemo had surgery she got through that so far she's cancer free thankfully right. and then my only experience with pediatric cancer was there was this kid that i met at the hope gala i don't know if you heard of that that was the, yeah, the penn state alumni York. one yep. yeah so i went last year but i met so maybe you met or heard the story. I don't remember the kid's name. I was trying to look it up, but he was diagnosed with cancer, I think at the age of like eight or nine and mm -hmm. then finished battling it when he was like 12, got it again when he was like 15. And then that beat that battle. And like when he was 17 or something, he got it for the third time. And they like told him they're like, his parents are like, we don't even know what to do anymore. And he did some like clinical trial where he came back. He had like a fever of like 109. The dad was crying hysterically, but like two days later, he, he came out negative for cancer. Wow. So that was some some crazy like I said, I was trying to find a story to like really make sure I tell all the details, but how was the whole story with, with Leah and all her treatments? Yeah, so we also put her into clinical trials when she first got diagnosed. Uh, we had the choice of putting her into traditional chemo or putting her into a new clinical trial that just came out called MIBG, which is a radiation treatment. And I didn't want to go the traditional route of doing chemo because I realized that, you know, as cancer, as cancer advances, as time goes on, the old treatments are not going to continue to work because cancer learns how to, to adapt to the traditional right. treatments. So I wanted to put her into a clinical trial, which we did. And, you know, the doctors were giving this clinical trial a lot of praise uh, because they believed that it was going to be the treatment that was going to save her life and other kids who were battling neuroblastoma. So she went through like four months of high doses chemo. And then for five days straight, she had to be locked in like this metal room that was covered in plastic by herself as she got the radiation done. And it was crazy because like you would see doctors walking in and out of the room with the PPE that you see them 
I'm wearing now uh, for COVID that you see nurses wearing. And as a parent, you're not allowed in the room. Like they have this little window in the door and you can just look through the window to see what's going on with your kid, but you can't hug them or touch them or do anything for five straight days, which was hard. Uh, so after she got done doing that radiation, we had to go in for scans. Um, everybody was optimistic because like I said, the doctors really pushed this type of treatment. So we went in to get the scans done and like every parent or anybody who's, you know, having a, a battle with cancer, you have something called scanxiety, where it's like the night before the scans, when you find out whether the treatment is working or not, you're just up all night, just nervous, not knowing yeah. what the results are going to be when they come back. Uh, so we experienced a lot of that. But like I said, we try to remain optimistic. A couple of days after getting her scans done, we got a call from the doctors and they had told us that the cancer, in fact, had spread all over her body, that it was oh, initially God. just in her hip and now it had spread to her chest, her shoulders, her arms her neck and it was even in her skull and if there was ever a moment where i thought my daughter was going to die it was in that moment there but you know I, I took a lot of the stuff that i learned from sports and i applied it to leah's battle with cancer and i told myself like i got taught in sports like as long as there's still time left on the clock like you got to give it everything you have it don't matter how much pain you're in it don't matter how tired you are if there's still time left on the clock you have a chance to make your comeback so i told leah as long as she was still alive as long as i had breath in my body we was going to continue to fight and just when the cancer had spread all over her body a new clinical trial had just came out called antibody ch1418 and i elected to put her into this clinical trial though it was reluctantly because with this trial you can't really choose what type of treatment your your kid gets and as a yeah. parent that's hard like you want to make sure that you are in control of whatever is going into your child's body but because it was a new clinical trial you'll just tell the doctor yes i want my child to be a part of this they put their name into a computer and the computer will randomly select the type of treatment that they're going to get. Thank God the computer picked the right treatment because after about two months of her being in the new clinical trial, we went and got scans done and we found out that she was in remission. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so, but what is, they were basically just injecting the entire time. That was the treatment? Yeah. So what the second treatment? Yeah, the second one. Yeah, yeah. So the second treatment, you then again go in for a high doses chemo and then they eject the antibody into your body and then it's supposed to go find where the cancer cells are and then attack those cells. Gotcha. Wow, that's crazy. And thank God that that came out right in time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely going to ask if you thought that being an athlete brought or helped the whole situation. So, but exactly what you said is obviously, yeah, that's the approach that we're taught as athletes and any successful athlete knows that that's the case. So that's right. amazing that you're able to coach her and give her that, that mentality because I think that's one of the driving forces of any athlete. Yeah, um, it wasn't just the principles that came from sports but it was a lot of it the mentality came from the injuries i battled uh right. playing football just learning how to have a resilient mindset i felt like every obstacle that i had been through up until that point was really preparing me mentally uh for the moment that leah was diagnosed with cancer because i had now understood the mindset it takes to really overcome obstacles. right yeah for sure uh and then but you were still in the nfl when she was diagnosed right yep it was my second year got you so how did everybody handle all of that it was tough because when Leah was first diagnosed, I initially wanted to retire because she was getting treated in Philadelphia and I was playing in Cincinnati and I didn't want to leave her bedside. But when I found out that her cancer treatment was going to cost around a million dollars, I didn't have a choice but to go back to play football so that I had the funds coming in and I also had the insurance that helped out with her cancer treatment. So I elected to go out there and it was a struggle. There were days where I would be able to go out there and perform and there would be days where I literally be at practice 
in the middle of a play and then tears would just start rolling down my eyes because I really didn't want to be out there. I wanted to be in Cincinnati, I mean, in Philadelphia with Leah. And when the story blew up, it kind of took a, a turn, right? Um, and I didn't really care about the turn that it took. I just cared that I had the insurance. But a lot of people had thought that I had got cut and then the Bengals bought me back up. I had got caught because I wasn't cut because I wasn't performing. And then the Bengals bought me back up once they found out that Leah was diagnosed with cancer when that's not really how it went. When Leah first got diagnosed with cancer, the Bengals knew what was going on. And I was able to go out there and perform during training camp. In fact, you know, the week before I got cut, my dad would call up to the, the team and speak to the coaches to find out how I was doing mentally. And they had told him that I was having one of the best training camps out of all the defensive linemen. But one of the reasons why I got cut is because one day when we were watching film, I was just going through it emotionally. And I had walked out of the, the film room and I went into the hallway and I was on the phone calling Leah's mom, asking them to move out there because that's what she was originally supposed to do. She was supposed to get treated in Cincinnati. And for some reason that didn't go through. So I was calling and I was begging them to come out there because I didn't want to be out there without Leah. And then the GM walked downstairs and he saw that everybody else had already went out to practice and I was still sitting inside the building. And I, when I saw him, I was like, oh, this ain't going to be good. Like I'm supposed to be out there practicing, but I'm in here. And when they found out that it was going to be that big of a distraction where I can't, you know, give my all to the team, they decided to cut me and put me on the practice squad so I didn't have to worry about playing football. I could just worry about being there for Leah. That's so amazing for them. Yeah. I'm glad that everybody came together ultimately to help you out. Right. Man, crazy. Uh, so how is she now? How many years cancer-free? Yeah. So in March, she hit her five-year mark, so she's officially cancer-free. She's doing good, just learning how to be a child again, just trying to create, you know, memories for herself because she lost so much during that time that she was battling cancer, not being able to do what other kids were being able to do. So right now she's just enjoying life. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. How old is she now? 10 going on 21. <laughs> <laughs> Always, especially yeah. girls. Girls are oh, yeah. a handful. Oh, man. Tell me about it. <laughs> I know just from all of my mood swings. And <laughs> that, then you hit like 12 and 13 oh, and yeah. it gets even crazier. Oh, yeah, they think they grown <laughs> at that point. Like they just have life all figured out. Of course, always. Yeah. I remember my mom telling my mom, you don't even know what it's like. And she's like, you're an like, idiot. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't born an adult. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. what you think. Oh right. my gosh, that's right. so funny. But you uh, have a foundation, am I right? Yeah, I do. Um, we started a foundation in 2015 called the Still Strong Foundation. And one of the reasons why we started this foundation is because uh, while Leah was going through her battle with cancer, she loved to go to the playroom to, to color and draw to pass time as she was getting chemo. And one day um, we went down to the playroom and when we walked in, there was a little girl around eight years old sitting at a table coloring by herself. And behind her shoulder was a IV pole that was dripping chemo into the Brobiac catheter that was on her chest. And me and Leah both looked at each other and we was we just gave ourselves the head nod like we're about to go sit with her. We don't want her to sit alone. So when we sat down with her, she started to open up about how she spent a lot of time in the hospital by herself because she came from a single parent household and her mom had to leave her in the hospital a lot in order to go to work so that she could still afford 
with their bill. And when I heard that, it crushed me because like it's already bad enough that a child has to be battling something like cancer, but they have to go through it alone. That shouldn't happen. So I had asked for her mom's phone number and I called her mom and I offered to pay her bills. And when I was walking around the hospital, as I spent more time, I noticed that the little girl wasn't an outlier. Like this was something that was going on with a lot of a lot of kids were in the hospital by themselves going through treatment. And when I saw that, I was like, man, we got to do something about it. So we started the foundation where we paid the household bills of families who are battling cancer bills, such as the mortgages, electricity, the car payment, whatever they need so that they can spend more time focusing on helping champion their child through this disease and less time worrying about losing their things like their homes or their cars. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's incredible that you started that. I'm going to definitely link it uh, for people to donate. And I can't imagine that. I mean, I know there was times that, again, I grew up in a single parent home and I remember being sick and like having a fever and crying hysterically and my mom has to go to work and she's like I like should be crying I'm again I'm gonna tear up thinking about it but like she'd be crying and she's like I have to go to work I'm gonna lose my job otherwise you know trying to find anything so but I can't even imagine obviously like that different situation but that's like a sliver of what these families or these parents feel so it's amazing that you're able to help and you started this so definitely gonna be linked to donate because I think that's again I understand how 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 difficult that might be So we got next chapter of this. We we did this to help out Thon because Thon is virtual this year. Yeah. And for anybody that doesn't know, in its 47 years, Thon has raised over $167 million for pediatric cancer. And it's the largest run student philanthropy. Right. And it's a 46-hour dance marathon held on Penn State's campus and typically draws thousands of students out tradesly for a 46-hour dance marathon, standing alongside pediatric cancer survivors and their families. So as athletes, we always have our little pep rally and we always came and hung out with the kids so I know for us we did I think we did two dances I don't remember the, their themes but we always mm. came and obviously hung out with the kids which I'm sure you guys did as well I always right. that was like such a difficult day for me I mean not to say that has anything to do with like these kids battling cancer but I just as an empath I would always go home and like cry hysterically of you know that these poor kids they're children they're not like what you were saying with Leah she wasn't able to experience childhood because she right. was just in the hospital while kids are running around on the playgrounds but I mean I obviously like put on a brave face and did whatever I could to to make these kids laugh smile whatever but what was your experience with that yeah so that it opened up my eyes to a lot of stuff and here's why obviously we had to do the dance routine too as a football team but we would also take them around the football building to show them a day in the life of an NF I mean of a college football player and I did that quite often almost every year that I was at Penn State but one of the mistakes that I made in doing those tours was I never sat down and asked them what the day in the life was like of a family battling childhood cancer. Like they got to see what it was like to live my life, but I didn't get to put myself in their shoes or what they were dealing with. And I didn't find out how hard it was until Leah was diagnosed with cancer. And it made me really think back to that, like, man, like I should have been in this fight with cancer a lot more before Leah was diagnosed if I only took took out the time to sit down and really talk about what they were experiencing. So I tell people all the time, like, you never know if this is going to happen to you and you don't want to wait until somebody you love is diagnosed with cancer to join the fight like you want to join the fight right now so that we can continue to advance treatments out there in case anybody you love does get diagnosed with cancer then they have a better chance of, of making it through that battle yeah because then at least you know what they're going through and you know what to say to them but i think right. i don't know until my mom experienced it like we you know you always hear about cancer and somebody having it but i, I think you always think of it's not going to be me it's not going <laughs> to be my people you know yeah. 
yeah. like you know, it sucked for these people and I wish I could do more but like I'll never have that experience but right. I mean you know like the with cases growing and you like more and more people having it, it I don't know when my grandma got diagnosed last year like I went into a full panic and it's like still on my mind of my mom had it my grandma had it am I next what am I supposed to do and like that was like again tearing up about it because it's a terrifying thought of it's not like it's people around me I could Mm. be next so same thing I would tell you is this don't focus on if it happened to you um, because you'll allow it to steal your joy from your life um, by focusing on the negative just tell yourself this if it does happen God willing it doesn't you have two amazing women who can tell you how you can overcome that battle with cancer but right now I would just live my life and not allow it to really steal my thoughts or steal my joy. Yeah, I try not to think about it, but you're right. It's a great way to look at it of, you know, I have these, like you said, two great women that did battle it and did make it through. So right. they can always steer me in the right direction. Right. So you're right. right. And then from what I understand, Leah's been a part of Thon. What has she that has. been like? Yeah, so I had a chance. I can't remember if it was two or three years ago. We actually went to the dance of Thon and we had a chance to get on the stage and, and really pump up the crowd because like you said, they're out there dancing 48 hours straight and it's tough. So for other families who are battling cancer who were there to see another child, another family who has gone through the battle and they're able to stand on that stage that night and really give a testimony, I think it not only inspired the people who were dancing, but also inspired families who were battling cancer who were in attendance. Yeah. And I, I think from my experience of seeing my mom and grandma, it's all about mentality of anybody mm-hmm. that gets negative, they're less likely to survive because they're not fighting for it. But that was right. that's something I remember my mom kept pushing for herself of like positivity, like I'm going to beat this, blah, blah, blah. And that's what we were doing for my grandma of, you know, like, look, my mom survived. Like, why wouldn't you be able to survive? Mm-hmm. Like the statistics of how many people make it through. So, I mean, I'm just like, that was the, always the thing for obviously thought of these people of you're, you're going to, you're going to make it like other people have made it before you have to believe. So I always valued that from thought of, you know, it was kind of like, it literally was like a, like an athlete pep rally. It seemed like right. to me, like you, we go out and compete against these teams and we try to beat them. They're our enemy. Like cancer is the same thing. Like you're going out there, you're going out for victory. So I always love that. Team effort. Yeah, it, exactly. it takes a team effort. And one thing that we will always say to each other was that hope for our future gives us power in the present. And we're hopeful that we can change our future, that our future will turn out in the positive way for us. And that gives us power in the present to really take action, to do the things that are necessary to get to that 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 future. So um, what I mean by that is if Leah's battling stage four cancer, yes, she has a chance to succumb to disease. But if we're focused on the positive outcome, then she understands going to the hospital every day to get five days of treatment, she's going to have to fight through that pain in order to reach her destination. But if you don't have hope for your future, you're less likely to do the necessary steps to get you that desired outcome. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's definitely something, again, like what we were saying, you're taught as athletes. So it, it's, I think that you definitely have that advantage with yeah. uh, with Leah's story. Yep. Awesome. Well, as we discussed, I'm going to donate 100% of the proceeds from my episode to Thon to help them raise their money because I think, I don't remember what last year's number was but last time I did see their numbers it was like 12 million dollars so I don't know how they're going to do it this year virtually I'm sure that well they can't go canning they can't do the actual marathon so I'm hoping to help with that right well I mean like I said it it takes a team effort so everybody's stepping up and really doing their part to continue to help them do the amazing work that they're doing I think it's going to be key to this that's why when you reached out to me and you let me know what you were doing and why you were doing it I definitely had to make this work because like I said they're doing great work and they're continue to push forward cancer research. Yeah. So hopefully people will share, spread the message and we can raise as much money as possible and help our dear Penn State. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you and all your time. All right. No problem. You have a good one.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.